Fellowship Church. It's good to see your faces gathered here in the sanctuary, to know that there are others on the other side of these cameras worshiping with us online, and those of you who are in the atrium worshiping with us, it's good to be together. Um, some of you may have traveled far, some of you may be only a mile away, some are new friends, some are old friends. Uh, some today had a tree fall in their road and couldn't make it. Uh, some of those people are up here on the, <laughs> on the platform with us leading worship this morning. Shout out to James Bronius for getting Jasmine and Rod Lowell from their home so they could walk around the tree and then get picked up. So hopefully, is it cleared? I mean, yeah, we got, we got to figure out how to get you guys back home. That We didn't think about that. <laughs> they might be here till next week. <laughs> um, but if you see on the screens, did you already show that, um, the tree that fell on their road? We do have a picture of that. Well, maybe not. It was already there. Okay, awesome. Well, uh, Christians uh, around the world and throughout the centuries have been gathering on the first day of the week to um, celebrate and to worship the risen Lord. Um, and so we join a great tradition as we gather this morning. Um, our call to worship uh, is from Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. And we're going to do a call and response. I will be the one on the screens and you will be the all. And we will root ourselves this morning as we begin our time of worship in worshiping our three-in-one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our triune God. So your part will be repetitive, and I will say the one. Would you stand and let's um, speak these words from Ephesians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. All praise For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. All praise to our triune God. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. All praise to our triune God. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. All praise to our triune God. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. All praise to our triune God. Let's join our voices together in song.
seated. Would you pray with me? God of everlasting love, we confess that we have been unfaithful to our covenant with you and with one another. We have worshipped other gods, money, power, time, and convenience. We have served our own self-interest instead of serving only you and your people. We have not loved our neighbor as you have commanded, nor have we rightly loved ourselves. Forgive us, gracious God, and bring us back into the fullness of our covenant with you and with one another. Through Christ our Lord, amen.
Good morning, Fellowship Church. The Lord be with you. One of the lines that caught me off guard this morning on that song we just sang was with a mystic sweet communion with those whose rest has won, or rest he won. We think this morning, or we are reminded this morning of, uh, and we will be reminded even more fully uh, of God's great love for us that uh, claims us, not just in this life, but in the next. This morning, we have flowers in the front of the sanctuary, both here and then out in the gathering place in a few spots in memory of Pam, um, Greg and Pam. Borsma, thank you, uh, Pam Borsma, whose funeral was yesterday, and we uh, thank God uh, that he has claimed her now uh, in fullness of his love. My name is Nate Skipper, and I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship Church, where our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. As a part of being an accepting community, we claim a lot of different colleges, so there's, but there's a lot of people that are happy this morning because uh, if you were here or took part in any of the kickoff weekend uh, this weekend for college football, you know that both Michigan and Michigan State and even Hope College uh, won, and you know, Calvin remains, un- they haven't lost yet. Uh, <laughs> But I also know that there's a few folks that are a little sad. You know, we got some Broncos fans who are a little disappointed at the results yesterday, and as well as some Minnesota fans who uh, had to play that team from down south. Well, this weekend was the kickoff for college football, but next weekend is the kickoff for Fellowship Church uh, in our program year. And so we'd love to have you join us next week, uh, Sunday for worship again, uh, where we will kick off our Sunday school year uh, for kids uh, through fifth grade. The middle school and high school students will also have an open house situation where they can learn a little bit about all the ministry that's happening with and for and to and through uh, the high school and middle school students. And then at 11.30, following this service, we're going to have an outdoor picnic. How fun is that? So join us. We'll have uh, burgers out on the lawn on the south parking lot. Bring a picnic blanket if you'd like to sit on the ground, or we'll have some tables and chairs set up as well. But we'd love to have you join us uh, as we kick off a new uh, school year here at Fellowship Church. This past Wednesday was the kickoff for uh, West Ottawa Schools, and we as a community here at Fellowship seek to be uh, loving on and caring for our friends uh, at, fellow, or at West Ottawa Schools. And so uh, we did something that we did a couple years ago, but we were prevented from doing it last year, is we had a little kickoff event over at Lakewood School. We had over 300 donuts from DeBoer Bakery that we blessed uh, the kids and the teachers with. Uh, We did it a little different. We were caught off guard because of the protocols around the schools right now that instead of, you know, having a little open house and this table with some donuts and coffee for the adults and some water bottles for the kids, we um, were, uh, what would you call that, diner servers. Uh, and as the parents drove their cars up, we were running back and forth to all the cars, uh, serving donuts and coffee. Uh, we were wishing that we had roller skates on so that we could be even faster. Um, I think I had like over 5,000 steps by 8.30 a.m. Uh, on, on Wednesday morning. But one of the people um, from our mission crew who helped uh, really organize the event um, mentioned that she had a couple people uh, say, who 
are you people? And what are you doing here? We're trying to drop our kids off. And you're giving us donuts and coffee. And she's like, we're from Fellowship Church. And she had her t-shirt on. And she's like, they're like, really, where's that? And she said, right across the street. Join us on Sunday. So if you are visiting with us uh, from uh, Lakewood School, first off, we're glad that you're here. And uh, thanks be to God uh, for the partnership that we can have with, with you. Um, if you. Also, if you are visiting with us this morning, I want to make sure that you know that there's some connection cards. Uh, and these are ways for us to get to know you a little bit better uh, and so that we might contact you. Uh, and those are at the end of each of the um, aisles uh, on the way out of the sanctuary and also at the Welcome Center. Uh, and they help us uh, get to know you a little bit more. Well, my friends, uh, events like what happened on Wednesday are only possible uh, because we are a community that comes together and lives into that mission, not just on Sunday mornings, but also uh, every day of the week. And your financial resources and ours shared together make events like that happen. So if you'd like to also uh, join with us uh, in uh, ministry uh, financially, I'd encourage you to drop offerings or uh, in the bowls at the end of each aisle. Um, or you can give online uh, through our Fellowship Church website. As we remember uh, the giving of our tithes and offerings, I also would like to invite all children ages 3 through 7 uh, to their places of worship at this time. I'd like you to stand in this moment, and we'll sing together, making this uh, next song our prayer that the Holy Spirit would breathe new life into us opening our eyes and allowing us to see and to understand God's will for us and to take that into this next week.
seated. Well, this morning we welcome uh, to the pulpit uh, at Fellowship Church a very, very familiar face. If you have been around here even just for a few weeks, you know the parking lot attendant has joined us uh, to bring uh, the word right. this yeah. morning. Yeah. <laughs> and if you've been around here for a long time, you might know this as uh, Pastor Reverend Dr. Ken Ericks. Ken. AKA, yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, affectionately known around here as Ken. Ken has been a pastor for uh, his entire life, ultimately, uh, working uh, at a couple churches for about 15 years before coming and serving at Fellowship Church uh, for 15 years and then going on to work for the denomination for about 16 years. Uh, Ken is uh, obviously, as a reverend doctor, a smart guy. Ken is a passionate a pastor. Uh, but more importantly, and I think you'll figure it out uh, very quickly this morning, that Ken loves Jesus, and he can't wait for other people to love Jesus too, uh, to experience that grace uh, that he's experienced uh, and that we uh, call that calls all of us uh, together. So uh, this morning we will hear from Reverend Doctor, A.K.A. our good friend Ken Ericks. Let's <laughs> pray for him and for us. God, we give you thanks that your spirit is active and at work in this world, in this place, and even in our hearts. And we thank you for the ways in which your spirit has stirred in Ken's life and the ways in which it has prompted him uh, to do things uh, and to serve you uh, for, for your glory alone. Uh, so we pray that that might be so again this morning, that as he brings uh, your word to us, uh, that your spirit might transform our hearts even as it has and is uh, transforming Ken's. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, Thanks, give it Dad. up for Ken Ericks. <laughs> Thank you, Nate and Ross. Thank you for the invitation to, uh, to preach as well at the very end of a, of a summer uh, of sermon series. I don't do this very often. I ask the people at 9 o'clock as well to pray for me because when I get nervous, I speak far too fast and I get up. So just pray for me that I can go slowly, listen to God, listen to the Holy Spirit, allow God to speak through me this morning. So your prayers for that are very welcomed. Some of you have been journeying all summer with the book Rising Strong. And if you, if you have done that, the book by Brene Brown kind of heard the what she had to say about that. I will be referencing aspects of the process of rising strong throughout the sermon. I hope that whether you've read the book or not, what I have to say will make sense to you and connect as well for you along the way. I'm going to read from a passage in Colossians that is, um, along with the opening sentences that Jess led us through this morning from Ephesians, one of the most powerful pictures of who Jesus is as the Christ, the Son of God, the revelation of God, that one would find any place in all of Scripture. Uh, it is, I said to Barb yesterday, this is such a rich passage that if I actually talked about every phrase in this passage, we'd be here for about six hours. So thankfully, I'm not going to do that. You can be grateful. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but it is rich, and I want you to hear it for all of its fullness 
and all that it declares about God and what it means for us to be in Christ by the Holy Spirit. So I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord from Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read from verses 11 to 20. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Rising strong is difficult. Rising strong requires grit and grace, authenticity and vulnerability, courage, hope, trust. For individuals in a congregation who live by a mission, to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ, focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For those who are part of that mission, we know that rising strong is nothing that we can ever do on our own. It is only as we are centered in Christ, find our place in Christ, draw our power from Christ, that we'll ever be able to rise strong together. So being centered in Christ, and only that way do we rise strong. Because we know that Christ has to be the center, we join Paul in a prayer and make it our prayer. May we be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may we be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's our prayer. And we also claim this promise that Paul also states, he has rescued us from the power of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Somewhere in my mid-30s, during my second pastoral assignment that I had from God, and particularly because of things that were triggered in me and pointed out to me in my work in my doctor of ministry program, and then later through incidents 
with other people and relationships that I had, I, I became painfully, painfully aware of my need for love and acceptance and approval from other people and some of the unhealthy ways that I was choosing to meet those needs. That started for me a, a long journey, three years plus of counseling, therapy, with both really good therapists, skilled therapists, and later layering on that also a spiritual director. During that three years, during that journey, I, I came to understand and see some truth about myself that I had not wanted to see until that point. About the meaning I had made of things in my life and the stories I had told myself and how it was playing itself out along the way. A lot of it was rooted, I came to understand, in some of the earliest years of my life. I was born into a, an amazing family of loving, caring, God-serving people. My parents were wonderful and amazing in lots of different ways. It was a big family. I'm one of six boys in that family. My first brother, my oldest brother, was born while my dad was completing his time in the Air Force down in Texas at the end of the Second World War. He was born there when my father was discharged from the Air Force. My mother and father moved back to Indiana. My father decided at that point, he had already completed two years of college before he went into the Air Force. And he decided to take advantage of the GI Bill and to complete his college education and then to go on from there. So in a 36-month period of time, during which my father worked 40-plus hours a week every week at a hard job, my mother had two more children. I was the first, and my brother followed during that time. My father drove something like 30 miles between his home in Indiana and the University of Chicago in Hyde Park multiple times every week. And in 36 months, he completed two years of college and an MBA at the University of Chicago. No small feat, to say the least. Now, being born into that time when their life was so busy and so full, there were other realities that hit me because I was born, and by all accounts, from at least the stories I've been told, I was an easy child. I needed very little attention. My mother could just kind of leave me alone and I would take care of myself. I slept a lot, which is another, a whole other story. My brother, who was born at, just 21 months after I was born, was another story. He came into this world demanding attention. He was always one who, who needed to, to have that kind of attention paid to him. So here's what it meant. During the time from roughly ages two to four, when there were a number of developmental tasks that were important to me, I honestly didn't make them. I didn't do them all because I was... There, my mother had other things that were taking her attention. And the meaning I made of that ended up being captured in a word that I named with my therapist, which is I kept asking, in mostly unhealthy ways, what about me? What about me? 
Hmm. During that time, toward the end of that three years, actually, I was, had the amazing privilege of going to a conference on the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Toward the conclusion of that conference, during a time of deep of worship and prayer, God gave me a gift, an amazing gift. I had what I've come to now call a healing of memories. That might sound like a hoo-hoo kind of thing, like it's not our world and our Reformed world. It was what was true for me, a healing of memories, for sure. I saw myself, it was an image, I don't think it's ever happened necessarily in reality, but here's the picture I had of myself as a young child in a high chair in a room of adults, and every single one of those adults had their back turned to me. That was a picture I had. It's a meaning I'd made in my life back then. And into this picture, Jesus walked. Just walked right up. Walked up to that high chair, looked me in the eye, and he said, I see you. I know you. I love you. I will always be with you. Then he lifted me from that high chair. I took his hand, and we walked out of the scene. It was powerful, not because it changed me forever, because I still had all the junk I had to work through, right? But that moment, held by Jesus and holding on to his hand, my life in Christ and Christ's life in me, created space, created a safe space for me to continue to do all the rest of the work I've been doing for the the last 40 years. It created a space for me to continue to deal with my feelings of not being enough when those come to the surface. It raised, continues to help me deal with my feelings. Every time I step in front of people like you, are they going to like me? Am I going to do well? It helps me deal with that reality. It helps me always and forever have the ability to be real and authentic and vulnerable. And that was the real gift. It didn't get rid of all my junk. It gave me a space to deal with my junk. It gave me a place for reckoning. That's what Renee Brown calls it, for personal reckoning with the brokenness and the pain and the difficulties that all of us go through in, in life. That's what happens. That's what happens when we allow ourselves to be connected to the one that Paul describes as the one who is the perfect image of the invisible God. And that's one phrase I'm going to, first phrase I'm going to pull out of that text. He is the perfect image of the invisible God. That word image means that Jesus is an exact replica of who God is. Everything we see in Jesus is a way in which Jesus is telling us what's true about God, what's absolutely true about God. Jesus never tells us everything we want to know about God. It is so that everything Jesus tells us about God and shows us about God is indeed true. So when Jesus gathers a a strange group of people into a band of followers and makes them his disciples, it shows this amazing, inclusive love of God. When Jesus gathers children onto his lap, it it shows God's compassion for the marginalized, 
When Jesus stills a storm, it shows God's power alive and at work in this world. When Jesus stops the crowd attempting to stone a woman caught in adultery and says that one without sin cast the first stone, he reminds us of God's great compassion and saving grace. When Jesus visits the, talks with a woman at the well and offers her living water, he reminds us that God is a boundary-crossing God who will let nothing stand in the way of reaching out to anybody and everybody. When Jesus allows himself to be nailed to the cross, that's God's mercy and grace being shown for all, shown for all the world to see. When Jesus speaks from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That is God's word of mercy to us who often don't know what we're doing either. When we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son, when we are captured by the cosmic Christ, the one in who is the perfect image of the invisible God, when we are caught up in that Christ, centered in that Christ, we are given the freedom to reckon with our own brokenness, whatever that looks like in our life. And it looks different for every single one of us, doesn't it? Our physical weakness and pain our sense sometimes that we are just plain not enough. The things we do to try to be accepted that are not very appropriate ways to try to be accepted. All the things we do. When we're centered in Christ, we can, be, we can reckon with all of that. We can be honest with one another about all of that. We can live together in the freedom and the grace that comes only from being centered in Christ. Only there. Also, Paul has another phrase that he uses in this text. He says that he is, he is the one in whom all things were created. He and the one in whom all things hold together. In Christ, all things hold together. That's an amazing promise, really. That in Christ, everything in heaven and earth is pulled together into one. In Christ, what would otherwise be chaos becomes cosmos. That, the, that Christ is the cohesion in all of creation and allows everybody and everything, male, female, rich, poor, black, white, whatever our political persuasion, whatever our view on uh, whatever has the hot social issue today, it doesn't matter. All of that is held together by Jesus Christ. It's all held together by him, and that gives us this tremendous freedom to have our differences and to be together in community anyway. So in 1989, when I first became a pastor here, pretty quickly I was invited to be a part of a men's group that met on Wednesday mornings, and I joined that men's group and found it to be moving and helpful in countless kinds of ways. One of the things that struck me really early in my participation in that group was the fact that men who had very, very different ideas about a lot of things were very content to be together at that table. 
They rumbled. They rumbled a lot, honestly. <laughs> they rumbled about politics, and they rumbled about the right place of government. Should it be too big or too small? They, they rumbled about every, almost every social issue that was out there then and that day as well. We had a very liberal Democrat and a very conservative Republican and everything in between, and we all sat at that table on Wednesday mornings, and we, and we tried to make sense of Scripture and life together, and we did it with a real sense of joy and freedom because we knew no, no matter where we were coming from or no matter what direction, our one goal was to move toward the center, to move toward Christ. And then when that's the goal, to be constantly moving toward Christ. All those other differences really don't matter, do they? Because Christ is the cohesion of our world. Christ is the one who holds all things together, so we don't need to. That's what we saw in Jesus. Jesus created a whole, a whole community of people with that first group of disciples. There were fishermen who in that day actually were kind of middle-class folks. They were, uh, they were up, kind of up, upper tier in society to some extent. We might not see it that way today, but it was true then. And then there was a tax collector. He worked for Rome, and he tried to get as much money from those fishermen as he could. That was his job. There was a zealot who led a re was part of trying to lead a rebellion against Rome and the heavy hand that Rome had on the land of Palestine. There was all kinds of people. There were people with Jewish names and Galilean names. Jesus pulled them all together and made them his band of disciples, as unlikely a group of people to ever come together as you'd ever want to find in this world. And Jesus put them together in one place. And I imagine they had their times in that group where they rumbled too. And eventually as they lived their life with Jesus, they also reckoned with some of their own brokenness as Jesus helped them see what was broken in them and needed to be made whole. And ultimately, Jesus made them into a new society, into an alternate community. And when the Holy Spirit later came to dwell in them, that new community of very different people, which later became both Jews and Gentiles, people all over the Roman Empire, who had so little in common, male, female, rich, poor, Gentile, Jew, all of them, they all came together into this one, one body of people who witnessed to the world primarily that in their differences, they were all one in Christ. They lived out a whole new kind of way of being. In that group of disciples, Jesus started a revolution where people could recognize their pain, rumble together about where they didn't agree, and then witness to the world that in all of that, we can still hang together and do it. All with people who are centered in Christ. Who see in Jesus the image of the invisible God. Who know that in Jesus all things are held together so we don't have to do it. So centered in Christ, we are people of grace. We are people who know that we are fully known and fully loved and fully accepted. And therefore we can reckon with our brokenness in the company of God and other people and we can be open and vulnerable and real with one another and let it all hang out and that's okay.
we can be a community of grace. Centered in Christ, we can be a diverse community. We can be the kind of place where all kinds of people with all kinds of life experience and many views of what was right and wrong, different ways of reading the scripture, where we can all be together here. I'll be together on one journey because Christ holds it together. We don't have to. We can be what... I first heard this word from Glenn Lau, one of our newer members in one of the listing sessions. We can be a whimsical community. Don't you like that word? We can be a whimsical community. Because we take Christ seriously, we don't have to take ourselves so seriously. We can laugh together. We can, do, we can make mistakes up in front like Nate did again this morning. <laughs> That's perfectly okay. We can, we can laugh at ourselves. We can laugh together. We can do all of that. We can be fun-loving and imperfect and creative. We can try and we can fail. We can be whimsical. What a great thing. And we can be a people of hope. We can be people who know that when all is said and done, we are held by the God, by God and all God's glorious power. We are held in the hand of the one who is the cosmic king of all the universe. And we are enfolded by the Holy Spirit who walks with us in anything and everything that we do. We live and move and have our being in the one who lived for us, died for us, was raised for us, and now intercedes for us at the right hand of God. And so we live in hope and in power. Centered in Christ. Centered in Christ. We rise strong. We reckon with our brokenness. We rumble with our differences. We embody God's revolution in the world, and we give to the world an alternate society that they so desperately, so desperately need. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. invite you to join us in singing um, the final verse that we sang of Holy Spirit. You can remain seated for this. Holy Spirit from creation's birth
Well, thank you, Pastor Ken Eriks, the Reverend Doctor, for that good word today. And thanks be to God for the way he moved you from the kingdoms of this world into the kingdom of his Son and the way that you have lived for us, a model of being centered in Christ. Thanks be to God. Friends, I enjoy, invite you to join me in prayer. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come to you now at the end of a summer, at the end of a sermon series, in which we have named before you and with one another our heart's desire, reconnecting and rising strong. And yet, even as we say that, and as we've said it all summer long, we recognize that we need it, both in our vertical relationship with you and in our horizontal relationships with one another. Towards you, O oh God, we long for atonement, for at one mint, for things to be restored to the beautiful way they once were in the very beginning and the way that they will be in the end, that you would bring us to that kind of unity with you even here and now, and that by your Spirit you would stir in us the gifts of the Spirit for our sanctification. Toward one another, we long also to connect, even as we recognize that in this world relationships are fragmented, humanity is clearly fallen, including our own selves, and we are often fallen face down in the arena of life. We long to, re to reconnect and to rise strong, but we recognize, oh God, that we cannot do it without you. Your scriptures are clear to remind us that in you we live and move and have our being, and that apart from you we can do no good thing. So we look to you for help, and with gratitude and with joy we recognize that you in Christ have done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You have broken down the barrier, made a way, become a mediator for us to be in relationship with you again, O oh God. And this is the marvel of your saving work, that Jesus has come for us and gone before us and made possible for us what is otherwise impossible. He has granted a unity that transcends our differences and invited us to live a new kind of life, one that is centered in him, centered in Christ. And as we stand in that great rootedness, O oh God, we then turn to you again and ask that you would grant us courage by your Holy Spirit to step into the very things that you are making possible for us. Like Joseph, give us the courage we need on the bumpy road of dreams, ditches, and dares. Like the early church at the Jerusalem Council, give us hope in the midst of a messy middle. Like the man at the well, wishing for wellness, teach us, Lord Jesus, to bring our desires to you. Like Jonah on the run, help us to see that the fish is grace, and in you must go. Like the crowd of Luke chapter 13, one that was quick to believe confabulations, Remind us, O oh God, of your deep and lasting truth. Or like Shipra and Pua, make us daring enough, please, 
to live big in this world. Like the Roman church, transform us, we pray, so that we can do better. And like Simon the Pharisee, let us be retuned by your loving presence. Like Peter, the sinking disciple, make us, O God, ever eager to do anything, to be near Jesus and to be like him. And like, like Ruth with Naomi, help us, O God, to know and live by your Hesed love. And even today, as we've been wonderfully reminded by the Apostle Paul, give us that kind of wisdom, O Lord, that recognizes that all things really do hold together in Christ. In all these ways and more, we ask that you would help us to reconnect with you and with one another and to rise strong in Jesus' name, no matter what knocks us down. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, I invite you to stand and let's sing together, King of Kings. Rose from
forever to the King of Kings, the one in whom our life is meant to be centered, in whom we can live and move and rise strong. As you go into this week, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with each and every one of you. Amen.